CFD's weekly podcast. Welcome back to the greatest podcast in the world. This week, I'm joined by Jonathan Baumgart, who's our first repeat guest, even though we've only done five episodes or something. And it has been a while since we've done one of these, which is purely down to my laziness. However, uh, Jeff, Jonathan is back again to talk about further uh, regulatory developments, which is, I think, kind of what we talked about last time. Actually, no, it wasn't what we talked about last time. Last time we talked about, yeah, yeah last time we talked trading. about prop trading. Okay, well, this time we're talking yeah. about regulatory developments. So I think most people listening will be aware that, um, I think it was at the start of this year, so about a month, a month and a half ago, um, the regulator in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which has been this go-to hub for lots of companies in the FX CFD world for like five years or so now, maybe longer, um, said that they would, I think it was, they gave you, well, actually, Jonathan, why don't you just tell me what happened? Like, what was it? They give you 45 days to prove that you have a license in every way you're operating or something like that. Indeed. Well, first, just thank you, David, for having me back again. I, I really appreciate it. So I, I hope this can be uh, one of many. And yeah, to uh, to jump right into it, they gave a, a very short deadline to uh, essentially, from their perspective, prove that you are licensed in every jurisdiction in which you are onboarding clients. And I have two kind of interpretations of this. The first is that they want to only weed out the unregulated companies. And that's the reason why the deadline was so narrow, because from our perspective, unless there's something I've missed, I have yet to find a region, you know, where you can get a license in 45 days. It's just, impossible even you know if you were to find such a region the kyc requirements alone often take about a month and so i think that was by design as a way just to clean up house so to say uh in my opinion there's you know speculation as to you know what prompted this and you know maybe later on i can get into at least a you know a hypothesis i I don't they they didn't make it clear now the the other interpretation of this is they will let any licensed company go and they won't be so harsh about it because in reality if you were to interpret this as a strict letter of the law i don't think there's a broker out there because there's plenty of regions where you can you know open an account and trade via what's known as reverse solicitation, meaning you come to the website, but there's no specific regulatory authority. And you can pick, it doesn't matter, there's so many countries, Jamaica, for example, doesn't really have a regulatory body. So if you were to follow this strictly, if you wanted to onboard a client from Jamaica, or let's say Papua New Guinea, or Cameroon, you know, just many places that don't have a developed regulatory framework, you need to contact the authority in that country and get a letter saying you're authorized to do this. And I mean, that's just a nonsensical type of request. There's no company that's going to go to those lengths. You know, they'll just dump their St. Vincent entities. So that is my interpretation of this decision, how I see it. So do you have any idea why it happened? It felt very sudden. And as you say, it feels as though it was quite deliberate to to basically just get rid of a lot of the companies that are based there. Yep, I think it, I think it, it it was deliberate. I I believe anyone who's looking at this 
can see based on the the short deadline. And we can only speculate. There was no kind of written description as to why they they undertook this. If I were to guess, uh, most likely it's because some unregulated companies have made a mess in the past or were you know creating issues. For clients, I think in Europe, I think that's primarily where the pressure came from. If you were to do a little digging on St. Vincent, uh, the EU had given them some relief during a, a volcano disaster they had and some COVID money. And I think just there were too many complaints about St. Vincent brokers targeting residents of the EU because it's you know it's quite big. There's uh, you know 25 plus yeah. countries, so it could be any of those. And I think they put pressure on the authorities basically saying, well, you know, you have to fix this problem or in the future there won't be funds. It's pure speculation. I don't think we'll ever know. But the bottom line is unregulated brokers are out. And and I would add that for a lot of these companies, the KYC was very light. It wasn't really a lot that was needed to get a company started. So that's why it, you know, it was easy to set up and, and why so many companies initially got started there because you could realistically get a company in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So basically the EU went to them and said, um, you had a volcano and it's really bad. And so in return for us helping you with this volcano, you have to stop selling people um, highly leveraged <laughs> derivative products. That's basically what happened. Well, I... Yeah, I, I think that in the past, I think actually what they said, was, this is just speculation, but they said, look, we've helped you out previously. And now you're onboarding, uh, you know, these type of entities, which are, are causing problems for our citizens. So if you wanted future relief from us, you have to fix this problem. And also, I, I you can get uh, from St. Vincent kind of these golden passports. So EU member state holders, you know, you, if you're from Germany or Lithuania or wherever, you, know, you can get a, a golden passport and now you don't have to pay taxes anymore. And I think they probably threatened that regime saying, oh, we'll, we'll take away. So do you want to keep the golden passport, which brings in, I don't know, let's say, you know, 200,000 or more per passport into your country or these in, in you know, comparison, relatively small sources of income which are these you know uh, llc companies that are creating a mess and i think they kind of just offered them the choice but it's pure speculation we don't really know yeah so can you not at this point do you think it's certain that you could not go to um go to them and go um as in go to the regulator there and then you could just say oh yeah but actually we only go after people in unregulated countries yeah, or or just countries like you said with a very lightly regulated regime, and then because if if the, if you need if you're saying I need a license to do it, um, to it, it you have to prove you have a license. You can just go okay. Well, everywhere I do business, you don't need a license. Or was that the point you were making earlier, where you were saying like the the restrictions they put in place, you would have to get permission even where permission doesn't exist. We asked this. So there was an FAQ that, that went around that was directly from the authorities that, that addressed this question. And they said in the event that, you know, there's not a specific license, you know, there's no FCA of UK equivalent in some of the countries I mentioned. They said in lieu of a license, we would need a proper letter from the equivalent kind of financial body authorizing this activity, which essentially says that, you know, you can't 
you, you can't operate basically, or, or better said, you can't onboard clients from these regions without that authorization, which is just, it's insane. I mean, because the global nature of this business, you know, most brokers have clients, I would say, in at least 75 countries, if not more. Yeah. So is there another random country that people can go to, to, um, to do this, to do the same thing? Sure. Well, this, this kind of dovetails in, into a larger point, which I would like to discuss, but the, the short answer is we're exploring some regions. Um, I would say, you know, to, to contact me or, or visit my site, Atomic Consulting, because things are changing quite rapidly, but we have at least one, as of this recording, one confirmed region and possibly another. But given that things change so much and this, you know, this podcast will be recorded at a certain time and in a couple of weeks, I can't say, uh, you know, how things will be. It's better to reach out, but we have found some alternatives. Going back to what I mentioned, you know, I think long-term, Regulation is the future of, you know, online FX and CFD trading because there will be alternative regions. And I've, every client that I've spoken with, I've mentioned that this will work, but it should be viewed as temporary because I imagine at some point in time, whatever the future region is, will one day face the same challenges that St. Vincent will. And at some point, there will only be so many islands in the world that are going to yeah. do this. And that's it. You're going to, you're going to require regulation. Yeah. I mean, I, so I, after this happened just for fun, I looked at to see if there's any equivalent countries or like equivalent regulatory regimes in other countries and called up the regulator in one. And then they, they were like, yeah, we don't regulate FX. And then they did, they, I asked about CFDs and then they were like, they, they came back to me and they went, well, they put me on hold. And then they came back a few minutes later and we're like, yeah, we, we don't know what those are. So, um, so it's not regulated. Uh, but then, so then I was like, okay, I wonder if legitimately you can just go and set up a company in this place and it would take like one day to do it and to kind of, and then to put an article together about how simple it is. So I call up like, uh, what do you call it? Hide agent or reg- registered agent mm-hmm. or whatever in this place. Um, and actually they said, yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do this because we saw what happened in St. Vincent. So they said they were, we they were like hadn't experienced it, but they said we we enjoy already a particular. This place provides is known to provide a set of, certain set of financial services, and they're like we don't want to risk our reputation by by do, by engaging in that sort of business. And if we do, then it's then it will it will kill our reputation. So I probably agree with what you're saying, right? It seems as though that's it's just like hopping from one place to another, and in the end, you're just going to get. Like that, all, all the doors are going to be shut in your face. Exactly, I think that reinforces, and that's why we're. I, I prefer to provide any client, you know, what looks reasonable in real time. And you know, to set the record straight, I've promoted Saint Vincent for many years, and I'm, you know, I'm not shy about doing that because I think every startup company deserves the chance to get going. And you know, the 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 downside to forcing regulation is now if you want to start a business and it's bootstrapped and, and you don't have an investor, well, you have to spend the next six to eight months obtaining a license and you can't operate until then. Now, you could always be a referral agent for a broker, but you won't know until you get the license if your business will work out. And I've always felt it's more cost effective to set up in St. Vincent 
there are some banking options and see if the business will work. And if it does, great. At, you know, you should be making enough money that it only makes sense to get a license. And that's the path that most brokers followed. I mean, if you look at some of the biggest names out there, all of them, for the most part, started off unregulated. There are exceptions. But even as this industry formed, there wasn't formal regulation. It was like the Wild West. There was many competitors, and you know the, the best ones ended up growing and then getting licensing. So it's a natural progression. Now, it doesn't mean in the past that every client followed that route. And of course, many liked the fact that you know they they were kind of under the radar because St. Vincent was private and everything else. But uh, any broker that ends up growing and doing it big for the long term does go down the path of regulation. So I always, I always felt that this was a good avenue, but it may well be the case that in the future, all these island options are exhausted. And what I mentioned is going to be the only path that you'll have to cozy up with a licensed broker as you get started until you can kind of grow your own wings with your own regulation, which, you know, wouldn't be the end of the world, but the industry will consolidate. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting just before Christmas, I spoke with this guy who was, I think he was technically the third employee at IG group. Um, and he mm -hmm. was, well, he was like the, and the first dealing employee, like the first uh, market making employee. Um, but he said in the yeah, in the late seventies and early eighties, they used to get freaked out because they would get, they would have unsolicited clients from the U.S. and they would take them because it's like, well, this is you know there was no real regulation. There was, yep. and uh, he, him, and the guy who started the business used to get scared that like if they go to the U.S., they're going to get arrested or something because they just didn't really know what the what the deal was. But um, Anyway, I think, yeah, another thing, the interesting thing you touched on there was this possibility that maybe if you were looking to start a business in this industry now, maybe you would become an IB or something like that instead of a, instead of doing a startup. Do you, so do you think that's something that will, will kind of grow because of this? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the way the industry started. I mean, MetaTrader really allowed for a lot of startup brokers, uh, you know, to enter the marketplace because you were leasing out their software. And prior to MetaTrader, you know, keep in mind, this is 15, going back 15, 20 years, it was much more expensive to have software that, that could handle something as complex as FX trading. It's a very sophisticated type of market because it's unlike stocks, it's 24 hours. You have rollover swaps, spreads, you have, you know, because of the 24 hour nature, you have to convert from, you know, if I have a US dollar account and I trade pound yen, it's going to do all those conversions. That makes it a much more sophisticated type of software, which meant the barriers to entry were enormous. So a lot of, you know, potential brokers would have to, you know, operate as an IB because they couldn't shell out, you know, I would say, 1 million plus to develop their own technology. MetaTrader came in and then you didn't need much. And so brokers, you know, grew like crazy, but now it's almost gone <laughs> back to the origins because now you almost need a license to use MetaTrader. And so you have another barrier to entry. So if you're a startup and you don't have the capital yet for a license, then this is the only option. And I may encourage you because, you know, I have seen cases where a broker got a license, they got the most expensive technology, they did all of that, but they never focused on sales and marketing. And so, 
you know, they had basically an, an empty business, but all the money went into the, the wrong avenue of development where I think, see if your model works and yeah, you don't make as much money as an affiliate or as an IB, but if the model works, you can scale and grow it. And then one day you can start your own, you know, your own business. I don't see any alternative unless you find an outside investor at this stage. Yeah. But I think that that's kind of an interesting point because one of the things I think maybe people don't realize about this, like there's obviously you get a lot of scams and like crook type people who do the unregulated stuff. But I was looking at a couple of companies and it was genuinely the case that you had someone who in one instance who was like at a pretty big regulated company um, who then just went to try and set up a broker there. Um, and I think it didn't mm -hmm. work out. Uh, I don't know why, I guess, but, but they were more like a salesperson. And then if you look recently this week, I think you heard Oval X or ETX is closing down, right? And I think that probably is they, yes. did, they did what you just said, right? So in like in the first instance, you had this guy who was probably pretty good at sales and marketing, but I think he was rubbish at all of the operational and whatever, all of the kind of other stuff that you need and it didn't work. But similarly, you have this other instance where they invest really, really heavily in technology and kind of neglect the other side of the business and it doesn't work so it's really hard like i think when, when i'm writing about this a lot of the time like because I, I guess i can come across as skeptical or harsh or something like that um feel it can feel a bit unfair because right? it's, it's really hard to set up one of these companies and run it so if you're able to do it you, you know you deserve deserve some kudos i guess um but um what, what one of the things you touched on there was um like MetaTrader becoming um less viable option for for startups or people who are trying to set up a new business. Um so I think previously I can't actually remember what the status was, right? Like I think previously if you were in St. Vincent, it was very difficult to get a MetaTrader license or something like that. Um I'm guessing now that it would be basically impossible because you won't even be able to set up a company there would really do anything. So does that what 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 is going on there? That's been another topic as well. So indeed, and I, I would say this was a large driver of many of the requests we got because there's been in the last I would say year or so a rapid change in, in policy that Metaquotes used to basically let St. Vincent companies have a white label. And then they started to clamp down. They would allow St. Vincent companies, but you needed to get an office. You needed to update your business activities within the company. In some cases, make some amendments and show to them that this is okay. Then they began asking for a bank account, which was a subtle way of asking for licensing because on the banking side, it's just it's next to impossible. And there are these kind of EMI or I'll you know I'll call them sub banks. There's not really a good term to describe them that would onboard an unlicensed broker, but then we found that Medicotes wouldn't accept that based on their criteria. So with this change in mind, I mean, I think it's almost impossible now with your existing company to be able to keep the, the white label under St. Vincent, at least for the reasons I mentioned in the beginning, because the only way the St. Vincent authorities are going to let you keep that company is if you prove in every country under the sun, you have, you know, you're able to do it. So I think St. Vincent now is a dead end, but it's very unclear, you know, as of this recording, how Medicotes will approach this. And 
you know, it adds another layer of complexity in alternative regions because it's up to them and their policy as to what alternative region they'll, they'll say is okay, what will be required of that region. You know, you mentioned you called the place and they didn't know what that, you know, what CFDs were. Is, is Medicoats going to be happy with that? And the answers now are unclear. I, I haven't really gotten a, any type of clear response. I've heard conflicting messages, and that's why I kind of just leave it as this. It's if I hear A from you know from one party and B from another, I rather you know err on the side of caution and just say at this stage it's unclear, and we kind of have to wait to, to see how this plays out. So, as someone that works with um you know, more of the startup side of the sector, when you look at, say, the ETX closure and this other person who maybe didn't didn't work out for them when they were setting up a company, um, I mean, do you have any tips on what works well or, or what doesn't uh, or just any thoughts on that in general on, on people setting up a company? Sure. Yeah, I think you kind of outline both extremes, but it's also important. And I would say, given the, the complexity that you outline, I think any successful broker needs, and it's not just a broker, but a lot of businesses, but especially effects, you need to almost have, you know, at least two individuals, one who maybe is the more, um, let's say sales, let's say numbers driven type, and then the operations person. And many times they're going to conflict because the operations person is more careful. The, you know, the numbers person just wants to grow, grow, grow. But if they can get along, then it should, you know, it should be a successful business. And that's just the nature because I think your extreme showed that lacking those, those two types of, of personalities, the business has suffered. But there's a more important point, namely that with almost any regulatory body, you can't be a one-man shop anymore. And this is something that we run into is we'll talk to a smaller group. It may be one or two people. And that's not even enough to get a license anymore. You need to at least have three or four individuals. Now, not all of them have to be founders or partners, but they should be, you know, someone who works, you know, for the broker and adds a certain skill set. And, you know, once again, it's positive for the industry, but as far as the regulators are looking, they don't want to onboard a one-man show. I mean, that's very risky for them. They need to show that the company is larger. So as regulation kind of comes more to the forefront, anyone who wants to pursue it will be forced to grow out their company. But given what I mentioned, that could be positive because I think then the broker has a stronger chance of succeeding because it has you know the, the right mix of individuals. That's fine. Um, cool. Well, Jonathan, uh, to wrap up, do you have, um, I don't know, any other thoughts on where the industry might be heading this year and in the near future? Sure. Well, thanks again for, for having me on. I, I appreciate it. And yeah, in my, in my opinion, I believe that regulation is the future, that even if you know we're able to find a successful alternative to St. Vincent, I imagine the same issue will pop up in some shape or form going forward. So I have advised clients that if we can get you somewhere temporarily that's without regulation, you should really pursue a license. It just, it seems that's the direction that this industry is going. I view that as positive. I think it's better for, you know, the, the traders themselves. It's better for the reputation of, of the industry. I mean, you know, online Forex trading has been around now for 
around 17 years, depending 20 years, depending on who you ask when it started. So I think now is a good time for it and it'll only make things better for everyone. So thank you again for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. I look forward to an upcoming chat. Yeah, sounds good. Hopefully we can chat again. Jonathan, thanks very much for joining. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can talk again soon. My pleasure. Thank you.